2: Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we're going to be talking about the Great American Smokeout, which is an effort uh, directed toward reducing the use of tobacco products. And I've got two folks joining me today. I have Dr. Karen Cruz. She is a professor of otolaryngology and the director of the ACT Center at UMMC. And Ms. Sharon Bell. She is a certified tobacco treatment specialist also at the ACT Center at UMMC. If you have a question or a comment for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's 672 7464 you can always email us fit at mpbonline.org, org, or you can go over to Facebook to Healthy Habits with Josie and drop me a message there. Good morning, ladies.
3: Good morning. Good morning. Can y'all hear me? Okay. Yes, we can. You're a little bit faint, but um, I, I can hear. <laughs> the beauty
2: you. of technology. There are some challenges, but thank yeah. you both <laughs> for for joining me today. Dr. Cruz, let's kind of just start with telling us a little bit about the, the ACT Center at UMC and what its purpose uh, what its purpose
3: is and, and kind of what you guys do. Okay, thank you. First of all, let me thank you for asking us to join you this morning. This is an area that we are very passionate about and so we are so happy to be part of your program. Uh, the ACT Center is a tobacco treatment education and research center. We are located in the University of Mississippi Medical Center Cancer Institute that is at the, in the Jackson Medical Mall um, we had been providing uh, counseling and medications for individuals who would like to quit using tobacco products for the past well over 20 years so we were funded in in 1999 to address uh, the uh, cessation component of the state tobacco control plan and we are available to help any individual who would like to stop using any tobacco product um, five days a week, uh, Monday through Friday. uh, We have tobacco treatment specialists who are experienced, licensed professional counselors who can help an individual set a plan and uh, work towards quitting tobacco for good.
2: Excellent. And I've utilized the ACT Center for lots of my patients. It's a great opportunity to loop in folks who do this every single day um, and are specialists in helping people with uh, tobacco cessation. Um, Sharon, tell me a little bit about what you do um, at the ACT Center.
0: Okay. Well, thank you again for having us. Um, Of course. My role as a tobacco treatment specialist, we work with the clients that come in um, that's ready to stop using tobacco. Um We help identify a plan to help them through this process, and we always tell our patients you know everyone's journey is different, and we just take one step at a time we provide support once they have scheduled an appointment, we meet with the client and then we go over a treatment plan we identify cues and strategies to help them through this process, to help them meet their goal to become tobacco-free. We discuss what treatment, what would be better for them, um, because every individual is different, and we individualize those treatment plans. Um, We go over our treatments. We go over what strategies will help them once again, just to kind of help them through this process. We monitor our patients throughout a year, um, just to kind of keep in contact and offer support and encouragement through that process. I love what you you said there about how
2: every person is different, and I
0: just can't,
2: you know, I can't uh, support that more. You know, it Mm -hmm. is what we do in lifestyle medicine. You know, we're normally working with folks on nutrition changes and exercise and those types of things, although we do have some folks in with that also are using tobacco products, but every plan Regardless of whether a person comes in with the same diagnosis or, you know, mm-hmm. a, a similar issue as someone else, everybody's plan looks different because everybody is different. And, the, you know, the triggers that folks have and the barriers that folks have are very, very different depending on, you know, where they are in their stages of change or, you know, multiple different factors coming, uh, coming in uh, in their daily life. So
4: exactly it really yes. is the
2: way. The way we help people is to embrace that everybody is, is different and everybody's plan is going to look different. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I would. Doctor like Cruz, to mention tell that me about the Great American Smokeout. It was the it kind of culminated this last Thursday on the eighteenth. But what was this this kind of movement and this focus? Uh,
3: well, you know, the Great American Smokeout has been going on since the seventies, and. Mm-hmm. This is the third Thursday of uh, November that we, uh, the American Cancer Society, sponsors this event, but this is a time when all health care providers and family and loved ones can encourage tobacco-using members of their family to stop using tobacco. And using this third Thursday of November is just a day that an individual can designate as a very special day because they are joining millions of Americans across the country to put down Um, cigarettes in particular, and start a new lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. I don't say that lightly because we know that this is a difficult thing to do. So the Cancer Society has a website that has numerous strategies to help an individual stop smoking. We have the ACT Center, which is available to all Mississippians. Uh, Not only do we have face-to-face counseling on site, but we also have FaceTime counseling and counseling over the telephone, so this program can be reached by all Mississippians. Um, But on this particular day, what we'd like to see folks do is, is put down the cigarette or any tobacco product that they're using and try to get through that day without using this product and, and they can do it and all they if they have issues or they are concerned about trying to do this you know going through withdrawal or something they can uh, go to a drugstore and they can buy nicotine replacement product which would help them to get through the day um, and this will give them time to think about if they can get through this day, then it might encourage that individual to go ahead and make, take that first step to really quitting for good.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, the highlight is you don't have to wait till next year's Great American Smokeout right. Day to, to start to implement some of these things. Like every day is an opportunity to take a step toward that healthier lifestyle. And like you mentioned, it is not easy, but we do have resources available to, to support folks. So if someone is interested in reaching out to the ACT Center and getting assistance for tobacco cessation, how does one do that? Do
3: they need a referral? Well, uh, actually, a referral is great, but they can also just contact the ACT Center themselves. So, you know, within, at the medical center, yes, we... Love it if all healthcare providers join us in this effort and advise their patients to stop using them and make a referral to the ACT Center. But if someone is out there who, you know, has not seen their physician or is just thinking about quitting and they would just like to talk to someone, they can contact the ACT Center, and we will set up an appointment and help them to quit. So we do operate off of referrals, but we are also community-based because we want to be available to all Mississippians. That's wonderful.
2: So Sharon, talk to me about kind of an initial visit. When somebody comes into the ACT Center, what, is that, what does that kind of look like? I know everybody's will be different,
0: but what can folks expect when they come in to, to see you guys? Okay, great. Once we have a patient to come in, and, of course, they will complete paperwork. Once that paperwork is completed and they will fill out assessments, we will go into um, our interview with the patient just to get some information regarding um, kind of things that they're dealing with as far as triggers and cues and things like that, just to help start that plan. We'll get the information, what's going on in their life, what are their stressors, their past events, past history, have they had any past attempts, and things like that. Once we gather that information, we'll educate the patient on um, our program, educate them on different things that we can help guide them through this journey, focus on what treatment, would be better for them. And a lot of this is really coming from the patient. We're just kind of there to help guide them through this journey, what would be better for them as far as their treatment. Yeah.
2: What about follow-up visits? Do those happen too?
0: Yes, definitely. Once we've completed our assessment, we do follow-ups every week. We'll either have face-to-face. We can have video chat. We can have um, phone sessions. Excuse me. We can have phone sessions. So once that patient has made that initial visit, the following week we do a follow-up contact the patient. The patient can come into the office, just discuss what are some of the barriers, what are some of the things that they're having issues with, some of their struggles, just to kind of help them feel more confident. Then we'll do that every week. Once they've reached that sixth visit, then we can follow them at least once a month. Some of our patients prefer to continue on with the two-week follow-up. It's just kind of up to the patient, but we do follow our patients every week.
2: That's amazing, and it's it really is multiple points of contact to support folks that are so crucial. At least we've found in in working with folks with nutrition and those types of things is is just being there as that support person um, to help them, you know, work through anything that has come up since the last time we talked, anything that's been a barrier for them. Um, And I'm sure you guys are the same way. We try and and, um, emphasize that if maybe it hasn't gone as well as you thought, you know, maybe you weren't as, as successful at implementing some of the things
0: that you wanted to do. We still want to see you. We still want to You. provide that support. Oh. We still want to provide that encouragement. And so many of our patients say that, you know, I really appreciate the support that you're giving me because it's not easy. Some people can, you know, it's successful in a week. Some people it's going to take a little longer and that's okay.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it just, it's shifting the way that, we build our relationship, right? That it's not, I'm not going to be mad at you if you had trouble, you know, or if you weren't able to, to put the plan into place. That's, that's not my role. My role is just right. to be there to support you and, you know, help you work through whatever barriers. So one thing I always tell my patients is, All right? so here's our plan. I'm going to talk with you next week. If, if it didn't go well, right. If, if we weren't able to do these things, let's think about kind of what kept us from being able to do that. So we can build a better plan next time to work through some of those those barriers or things that kind of stood in our way. And that's really really what it takes is getting down into those details and seeing what is what is holding folks back.
1: I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. And joining me today, I have Dr. Karen Cruz and Ms. Sharon Bell, both from the ACT Center at UMMC. And we are talking about uh, tobacco cessation today. And we talked a little bit about the ACT Center in the first segment of the show and the resources that are available there for anyone in the state of Mississippi and how to, to get in contact with them to reach those services. Uh, and I wanted to focus a little bit on why we talk about smoking cessation. You know, uh, gratefully, over the past you know decade or so, smoking rates have decreased and the number of people um, starting to smoke have declined. Um, but it is still a major public health issue. Dr. Cruz, let's talk about why it is so important that we address smoking
3: cessation. Well you know, we have to consider that all tobacco products are just contaminated delivery systems for nicotine. Mm -hmm. So nicotine is the drug in tobacco, and it changes the chemistry in your brain so that you crave more nicotine, which is what keeps individuals going back to these products. You know, once an individual starts smoking in particular, because of this nicotine dependence, they'll have a harder time stopping, and, you know, the smoke in cigarettes has uh, been studied to death, really, uh, no <laughs> pun intended, but, you know, cigarette smoke has more than 7,000 chemicals in it, and about 70 of these chemicals are known to cause cancer. So when they smoke a cigarette, the smoke enters the lungs. Uh, it, uh, the nicotine in the tobacco smoke will cross, cross the bl- blood-brain barrier within seven seconds and be in the brain, uh, creating that dependence. And then the chemicals from the cigarette smoke travel throughout the body causing damage. And really, there isn't an organ system in the body that uh, tobacco use does not affect. It affects the mouth and the teeth. It can cause gum disease and oral cancer. It affects the throat. Um, causing cancer of the throat, the esophagus, and the voice box. It affects the lungs. We know that 80 to 90 percent of lung cancer is attributed to smoking. It can also cause emphysema, bronchitis. Um, It affects um, the bladder, the kidney, the pancreas, the stomach, the liver, the colon, the cervix, reproductive uh, organs by causing an increase in the risk of cancer, It can make diabetes hard to manage. I mean, I could just go on and on. (laughs) It affects the eyes, the ears, the skin, the hair. And, of course, the heart, which heart disease is the number one um, killer of Americans, and tobacco use is directly related to cardiovascular disease. So I don't mean to go on and on. You can tell I'm fairly passionate about why we as healthcare providers need to address this as part of our clinical practice
2: absolutely so and and, and i couldn't agree
3: more you know one of the populations of patients
2: that i work with the most are people with joint issues with osteoarthritis yeah. and i usually get those folks sent to me by orthopedics because they need a joint replacement but they are kind of higher risk surgical candidates for, for a variety of reasons. One can be, you know, a weight over a certain amount or uncontrolled blood sugar. And smoking is one of those things as well. Because when we look at kind of all the, the evidence out there about folks who get joint replacements, those that are more likely to not do well after the procedure, you know, from a, the joint gets infected, doesn't heal well, or has to be replaced again within a few years, Smoking is one of those risk factors that, that's linked to that. And so we want to help people, you know, get off of those cigarettes so that we can get that joint replacement and restore some of that quality of life that they're that they're missing out on due to pain and mobility uh, limitations. So even something that seems completely unrelated, right, you know, smoking and, and joints are very, very closely tied together and are really an important part of overall health. You also mentioned uh, the mouth, the teeth, the throat, things and that's not just uh, smoke products that's smokeless tobacco products as well correct
3: yes and and uh, the electronic nicotine uh, delivery systems like the Juul and the views and puff bar they can also create serious issues in the mouth so it's really all tobacco products yeah, and that, that highlights the need
2: to make sure you're going to your dentist as well. Um, you know, if you are using uh, tobacco products and just letting them do a screening in your mouth to make sure that they don't see anything that's not healing well or any changes in coloration and those kinds of things so we can pick up on those things early. And I know you're a dentist,
3: so yeah, that has to be. Yeah, I was going to say thank you for that pitch for, for dentistry. <laughs> yes, tobacco use affects the mouth, and anybody who works in this area will tell you that. Cancer of the mouth or throat is a devastating cancer, and it's going to affect your physical appearance. And um, the treatments that are used to treat, you know, chemotherapy and radiation will seriously create adverse effects in the mouth. So it's not only you know the tobacco products, but it's also the treatments that we can provide to address the illnesses that are the result of tobacco use that can cause serious life debilitating events absolutely
2: Sharon I hear a lot from patients it's well I've been smoking for for 30 or 40 years I'm in my late 60s is it not too late for me to to to
0: start working on smoking cessation what do we say to that and we do hear that a lot, and it's definitely not too late. Um, and sometimes, Doctor Bidwell, I really kind of throw a joke in, and I said, you know, it's just kind of like being in a bad relationship for a long time. You know, it's you just kind of it's time to break up. It's, it's time mm-hmm. to move on. <laughs> and plus, regardless of the age, and regardless of how long you've been smoking or using tobacco products, you know, it's the quality of the the quality of life that's going to benefit you in the meantime. Because as soon as you, even your studies have shown, even after two weeks of being tobacco-free, it's the improvement of the lungs, um, your heart attack risk decreases. So it's always, always a benefit to stop regardless of the age, regardless of the length of time of smoking.
2: Yeah, I mean, you really do start to see benefits in terms of just work of breathing and ability to breathe easier very, very quickly yeah. after, after stopping. So how do people get started? Because that seems to be, and, and rightfully so, the kind of the biggest hurdle is just getting started. Um, I have a lot of folks who say, I, I, I need to, right, I need to stop smoking. But getting them to move from I need to to I will is a, a, big, a big jump. So how do people start if they're, they're interested in, in stopping
0: The first thing we talk about is identifying the cues. When you identify the cues, what I mean is identify the events that are connected with smoking. Do you smoke after meals? Are you smoking with your coffee every morning? Is stress a trigger for you when you become upset or agitated? Are you smoking? Identify those cues and learn to anticipate those situations. Well, you know what? I know I usually smoke after I eat, so let me come up with a plan. Let me develop a skill, a strategy to say, okay, I smoke after I eat, now I know that. I'm going to develop a plan. I'm going to go do X, Y, Z instead of smoke my cigarette. I know when Mm -hmm. I become anxious, when I become upset, I smoke. Let me develop another coping skill. Let me begin a journal write. Let me begin to call a friend. Let me do a little exercising. Start identifying these cues. When do I smoke? Once you identify that situation, then you want to start Start developing a plan okay this is what I can do instead of smoking
2: and a lot of times what I see with folks is they replace the cigarette with food and then we get a we get a whole other set of issues <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because they they right. come and say well because I gained weight and I don't want to gain weight so I'm gonna go back to smoking so what are some things that we can do in place of maybe maybe using food as a replacer for that that cigarette
0: Right, and that's something we hear a lot of as well. And we want, and some people say, oh, when I stop smoking, I'm going to gain weight. Your appetite will increase. However, that does not mean you will have to gain weight. We also focus on, you know, instead of when, you, when your appetite increases, focus on healthy snacks. Some, most of smoking is just that hand-to-mouth habit. Mm -hmm. One of the strategies I tell my patients, I say, you know what, you can always get a straw. Once you can get healthy snacks, get celery, get carrots, things like that, just kind of something to keep in your hand, that hand-to-mouth. That's the habit that they're really focusing on. You're not really hungry, and instead of focusing on the chips and the cookies, which a lot of our patients will do that, you know, focus Mm -hmm. on healthier snacks. Absolutely. And kind of offset weight gain yeah you know, and
2: you know I see that a lot as well when people, just for other reasons, come to see me, and they'll say, "Well, I'm just hungry, and it's okay to be hungry, right? Like having an appetite is not necessarily bad, it's what we choose to to utilize uh, to to meet that hunger, so it's not necessarily that you know if you stop smoking and your and your appetite goes up that that's a bad thing. We just have to again choose those more nutrient dense, lower calorie options uh, to use. And so I like, you know, you mentioned some fresh veggies and those kinds of things. Cause again, it goes back to um, you know, that hand to mouth type of right. thing. Um, and I usually tell people to cut it up into to smaller pieces, right? You know, if you're doing an apple, maybe go ahead and cut and dice that up. That way it it lasts you longer uh, with that kind of hand-to-mouth activity um, going on there there's lots of different techniques so I don't want that to to stand in folks way if maybe they did quit in the past and gained weight and and restarted smoking uh, that barrier we can we can work through that and work around that um, to help you build a plan to 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 stop uh, and not regain the weight and and do those things that way all right guys go ahead
3: and take oh go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, I think that's where having that face-to-face counseling Mm -hmm. and having a person that you can talk with that's outside of your family members or your friend group that's objective and that can give you real solutions to the issues that you're having with quitting. Plus, the medications will help to stave off some of those um, cravings and uh, will help them, I mean, when when you... Nicotine replacement, for example, if you're replacing the nicotine, and remember, this is just for a short duration, um, mm-hmm. that this can reduce the craving for nicotine, which will help you to kind of clear your thoughts so you can think about your strategies and develop your coping mechanisms for when you have that um, moment that you feel like, you know, I've just got to do something. And that's usually when people pick up a fork or they sit mm-hmm. their there in a bag of chips. But mm-hmm. if they, you know, so sometimes... Having that person available, that's your support person that you can contact like Sharon or any uh, of the other professional counselors we have here. And then if you're using a medication, a lot of times that will save off your appetite as well. Absolutely. And that's what I want to focus on when we come back from the break is really digging into some of the nicotine replacements because
2: there are lots of different formulations of that that you can choose from if you haven't liked one over, you know, in the past.
1: I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening
2: to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me today are Dr. Karen Cruz and Ms. Sharon Bell are both with the ACT uh, Center at UMC and we've been talking about uh, the Great American Smokeout but really smoking cessation and tobacco cessation in general. If you have a question or a comment for us you can call us. Our number is one mpb ring It's one You can always email us fit at mpbonline.org and that's not just during the show. If you have questions that that's Sneak up when we're not on the air. Feel free to, to email us then. And you can go over to Facebook, to Healthy Habits with Josie. You can drop me a message on the page or private message me there as well. Josie. Now, bef- yes, Kevin.
0: We have got a caller on the line, so let's say good Hi. morning to Rao, who's calling us from Vicksburg.
4: Good morning. How can we help you? Hi. I, I have a comment, uh, you know, that I have seen. Uh, a problem with those people who have stopped, sm- tried to sm- stop smoking mm-hmm. after smoking for a long time. I-, I knew an office colleague of mine way back in 1968. Uh, he was in charge of a section, he was head of a section, and he was under a lot of pressure, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he tried to give up smoking. And when he did that, he grew very irritable. And you know, so after a few days, you know, he decided it was not worth it for him, and he went back to smoking. So there is that psychological or whatever emotional kind of a effect when, as I understand, when you stop smoking. So I was wondering if you can, you know, uh, make any suggestions to people on, you know, what to do in those cases, and I will hang up.
2: Thank you so much for that. Uh, I know that's something that I hear frequently as well, um, Sharon. Let's kind of start with you. What when somebody comes in and says maybe that their personality has changed a little bit, or they feel themselves being more, more irritable or, or snapping at folks, is that expected? And what can we do about it?
0: Well, thank you for calling in. And yes, that is one of the possible side effects. Once again. A lot of smoking is habit, but your body is actually addicted to the nicotine. So once you start trying to decrease and you just go cold turkey, and what I mean by cold turkey is you're not using any type of uh, treatment as far as nicotine replacement or any type of medication and you're just going cold tr- tr- cold turkey, then you are going to have these possible side effects even when you are using the nicotine replacement because your body is getting less nicotine than what it's used to. So then you're going to experience that irritability. You might experience a possible side effect of loss in sleep, um, anxiety increasing. So those are some possible side effects that a lot of patients do experience once they're trying to decrease smoking. So that is very common. Once you experience that, you know, try nicotine gum. You can have nicotine lozenges. Those are going to help you through those moments that you're going to have those cravings, just to kind of take the edge off. Or, you know what, you can always use the nicotine patch. So those are some things that can kind of help you versus just going cold turkey.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, when, if they if I, if I am working with people who have tried in the past, and had a situation like that and that kind of caused them to restart smoking one thing i start with is going ahead and teaching them relaxation techniques before we ever start to, to try to stop again um so you know because once you're in the moment and kind of feel out of control or anxious or those kinds of things it's hard to learn a skill at that point yeah. to help with that but if we can anticipate that, you know, and maybe start with some deep breathing exercises or you know some other mindfulness-based techniques, and just go ahead and start practicing those, so that they are in our toolkit when we start to feel anxious, um, then we we might be a little bit more successful. So that's one thing that I found helpful is just learning those techniques kind of before we before we make that next quit attempt.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: So, Dr. Cruz, um, that leads us right into kind of talking about the medications that are available for use for smoking cessation, and probably the most widely available and, and widely talked about is nicotine replacement therapy, and I know a lot of people um, may be confused about that because they hear, you know, I need to stop smoking because it's got nicotine in it, but then you're telling me to use a nicotine replacement
3: therapy, so why, why is that appropriate? Well, first of all, yes, there are several FDA-approved uh, tobacco treatment um, medications available to individuals, and nicotine replacement was the first that was developed and approved by the FDA. Um, you have to remember that, what we, first of all, we're reducing the amount of nicotine that you're getting to bring you just to the level that will keep you from going through withdrawal. So when you use nicotine replacement, you're already reducing the amount of nicotine that is getting to your brain, but we're giving you just enough to keep you, again, from going through withdrawal. Um, So we're talking about a short duration of use, possibly three to six months, because we know that if you've been doing something for several years, in most cases and in many cases um, over 10 years, that you're not going to be able to just quit in a short period of time. And you have to look at it like it's a process anyway, mm-hmm. as Sharon discussed. So we try to uh, encourage people to think of quitting. You know, t- take it slow and take it easy. Don't put pressure on yourself. Um, again, you're if you're working with a counselor, they'll teach you that, and that's why we follow folks for up to a year, um, because we want to help them to get through those difficult moments. But back to the medication so with nicotine replacement ther- therapy um, we have numerous avenues you know of nicotine delivery you can use the nicotine gum although it's not really gum it's what we call a patch in the mouth you'll bite (laughs) it a few times and then hold it in your cheek so that you can absorb the nicotine and then we have the nicotine patch which is something that you place on your arm and remember we're removing all of the 7,000 harmful chemicals and agents Mm -hmm. that are in tobacco Mm -hmm. and just giving you the nicotine which is the reason why you have a difficult time quitting because of the withdrawal from the nicotine Which we know that withdrawal, um, those withdrawal symptoms are irritability, loss of sleep, depression in some cases, um, feeling blue, um, hunger, all of those issues that are associated with uh, the reduction of nicotine. So you can use the patch um, for individuals who feel like they're not comfortable with the patch. You can use the PRN drugs, like I said, the gum, and then there's also a small lossage. It almost looks like a tic-tac. There is um, a device called the nicotine inhaler, which is, I would consider it more of a nicotine puffer, but it looks like, it has a little dispenser that almost looks like a cigarette that you put your little nicotine cartridge in, and you can puff on it during the day if you want to satisfy that hand-to-mouth behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, there's no smoke involved, no delivery of any other uh, dangerous products. And then there's a the nicotine nasal spray, which can be used in the uh, nostril. You know, you place it in the, the nostrils, and it will be absorbed that way. We also have some non-nicotine uh, drugs, which are bupropion or Zyban, uh, which is Welbutrin that's been uh, repackaged and the dosage changed to use specifically for tobacco cessation, and then for Renacline, which is uh, Chantix. Now, Chantix is not available right now. The company has recalled this product because they're changing the, the levels of some aspect of that drug, and I think it was a very wise thing for them to do because there were questions about, the, the I think, the levels of certain agents within this medicine mm-hmm. that develops during processing so right now chances it's not available at the act center but all of the other medications are and then of course the gum and the patch you can get over-the-counter so you could talk to your pharmacist about using those meds or get the product and talk to your physician or your nurse practitioner about how to use these meds or you can contact the act center or the quit line which they could answer your questions the nicotine inhaler and the nicotine nasal spray are both by prescription only, so you would need to speak with your healthcare provider if you wanted to get a prescription for one of those. Absolutely, and
2: I like that you mentioned about the gum and kind of how you use it. Sharon, kind of run us down like how you use that gum because you don't just pop it in your mouth and go to chewing on it like <laughs> some, some Double Bubble. No. That's not. Yeah. True. No, I sure all my
0: patients you're not going to chew this like you're chewing juicy fruit. When you're having a craving, because your body, you're still going to have these cravings, even though your intentions are, okay, I'm getting ready to stop smoking. You know, if you've been smoking for 10, 20-plus years. Your mind is still triggered. We smoke at this specific time. So once you have a craving, you will pop the gum in, chew it only until it gets into the gum form, and then you're just going to park it. We call it park it in your cheek and just hold it there so that nicotine can absorb It's going to help you get through that moment, take the edge off. And I always tell my patients within 20 or 30 minutes, just go ahead and spit it out. And the reason why I say 20 to 30 minutes is because most of the time they'll forget it's nicotine gum and just kind of start chewing it. And And I see that a lot. (laughs) Yeah, that can produce a side effect of maybe heartburn, but because it's not designed to, to constantly chew, it's just designed to help you through those moments. Like I said, just park it for about 20 or 30 minutes in your cheek. Once that craving has passed, then you know what? You just spit it out. And you can use up to 10 to 12 pieces of that gum a day. Yeah, and,
2: you know, the other thing I see with patients is they do just kind of start to chew it and then they get jaw pain because they yeah. when you chew because yeah. if yeah. you're chewing it all day long, um, you know you're going to wear that jaw out a little bit. So right. you know, sometimes I'll switch them to a lozenge or something like that if they just continue to have trouble with not over chewing the gum. Um, but parking it is really important, and I tell them you know, bite bite down on it, crush it up, and then it should be like a tingly sensation, or you know sometimes it's called a peppery sensation. I don't really know what peppery means, but I'm calling it tingly, uh, and then park it in there and let it you know, let it hang out for you there. And it comes in two different dose strengths as well, right? On the gum, there's right, a 2 milligram exactly. and a 4
0: milligram. We have 2 milligram and we have 4 milligram, and also the lozenges, same dosage. It comes in a 2 milligram and 4 milligram. And some of the patients that have dental issues, um, dental work, they're not really comfortable with the gum. Um, we recommend the lozenges, just like a man. You can pop it in. You don't bite. You don't chew. Just pop it in. Just let it do the work. Then you spit it out.
2: Absolutely. So before we go to the I had a question that came in that said, I'm really only smoking twice per day, once with my cup of coffee and once after supper. Which nicotine replacement would be the right choice for me? What do we
0: think? I would definitely I mean, I can recommend, recommend comment on that. Well, and we have again, that have low use, but I definitely recommend going down um, to start two cigarettes a day, which is wonderful.
3: Which they might be able to quit without any product. They need to try it and see how they do. Um, in some situations, you you know, when you use the, pa- uh, the gum or the lozenge, I su- suggest that my patients put that in prior to feeling the craving like do it on a schedule, like when they get up, go ahead and pop it in. That prevents them from having the craving because it takes a little bit longer for anything that's absorbed through the mouth to get to the brain. Now, a patch would take that uh, control factor out of it because you would get up first thing and put the patch on, and then you would wear it throughout the day. So a seven milligram patch, which is the lowest dose, might work for her. It would keep her from having any cravings and you know, she might not have a desire for tobacco at all through the day, Um, but one thing I would like to mention is that is only two cigarettes a day, and I, you know, commend her for getting it down to that. However, there is no safe level of tobacco use. Mm -hmm. So, and it depends on your genetics, you know. If again, we just have to remember that you are still getting all those harmful chemicals and agents. Now, is two better than, you know, forty, of course. But if you read on any health organization website, it will say that there is no safe level of use. And so, as a healthcare provider, I would just like to say to her, "Hey, great, two cigarettes a day. Try to quit on your own. And then, if you have." Some withdrawal, then try using the gum or the lozenge or uh, a small dose patch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and
2: and that would be I'd have similar advice. Um, yes. You know, it, at this point, it's it's likely more that that habit and right. not necessarily yes. that dependence. Uh, and so, what could we do to break, um, you know, break that habit? Yeah, incorporating some of those stress reduction techniques. um yes. making some some different. Um, you know, food uh, adjustments like snacks that we can have, um, brushing your teeth sometimes often works with my patients. I use it when they tend to snack after meals where they eat their meal and then they consume a large amount of calories just in snacks afterwards. I have them just go brush their teeth when they finish um, yes. eating their meal and then they're less likely to snack afterwards. So there's, there's lots of techniques that we can use um, in there.
1: I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app.
2: southern remedy healthy and fit on mpb think radio we've been talking about tobacco cessation today and we've got a few minutes left in the show and i want to spend that talking about vaping because i did get a facebook message that said i used um, a jewel to stop smoking i still use it but my cartridge has no nicotine in it why is this not an okay choice so, Dr. Cruz, let's talk about a jewel and, and what it does and why it's really not
3: something that we want to substitute for cigarettes. Okay, well, you know, many people think that vaping is less harmful than smoking, and it is true that e cigarette aerosols don't include all of the 7,000 harmful agents that are in tobacco smoke, but they're still not safe. The most popular e-cigarettes deliver nicotine that is highly addictive and can actually harm the brains of developing young people, children, and young people. And some of these vapes even deliver more nicotine than cigarettes. So in addition to nicotine, e-cigarette liquid, and this is the liquid that is um, the flavorings and Mm. all of those things that are placed in the liquid to make it more palatable, these liquids, when heated, become aerosolized and many of them convert to very dangerous chemicals that have been linked to lung disease. So, any type of e cigarette pod, vape, jewel, views, or puff bars are a major concern to healthcare, uh, the healthcare uh, professions, because what's happening with this increase in the popularity of vaping is that it's kind of renormalizing smoking. You know Which has been on the decline because it is a form of tobacco product use, and i 'm curious to I would love to ask this individual what jewel that she purchases that does not contain nicotine because most jewels contain three to five percent of nicotine salts, which when you think of you can uh, for every um, percentage point of of nicotine that's in a product, there's that's usually around, I think, 0.9 milligrams per milliliter of nicotine in that percentage point. So a Juul normally c- contains up to 5% of nicotine salts, and that would mean about, you know, around 50 milligrams per milliliter of nicotine in one pod, which is equivalent to about a pack of cigarettes of nicotine. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure which Juul she's using, but almost all Juuls, contain pods that contain nicotine yeah it might be one of those
2: labeling things where if it if yes. falls under a certain amount you can call it containing none kind of like trans fat yes. you can yes. you can call it something trans fat free even if it has half a milligram per serving and if you eat right. the whole box then you got a bunch of trans fat um well, so i was true. confused a little bit about that as well
1: I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org.